You're listening to The Fish Dish, brought to you by Eat Wisconsin Fish, a campaign of the Wisconsin Sea Grant Program. Are you fish curious? Or are you a fish expert who wants to learn even more about Wisconsin's fisheries and cooking fish? We'll give you the latest dish on fish. Your hosts are Sharon Moen and Marie Zwickoff. Two Two friends who who have have been working working for Sea Grant seemingly forever and who know a thing or two about fish. But that's forever in a good way. Sharon runs the Eat Wisconsin Fish campaign. And Marie is a science communicator. This episode is about lutefisk wars. Sharon and I discovered there are different camps that can get a little feisty when it comes to cooking this traditional holiday fish. Wisconsinites of Swedish and Norwegian descent feel strongly about their favorite preparation methods. We were invited into the home of Mary Childs in Port Wing, Wisconsin, to talk about lutefisk cooking options, along with Mary's friend Marge Ogren. We'll also be discussing other holiday fish dishes. In the second fisholicious part of the show, we'll actually eat a lutefisk lunch with Mary and Marge. You'll want to stick around for that. Now, according to Smithsonian Magazine, legend has it that Viking fishermen hung their cod to dry on wooden racks made from birch trees. When some neighboring Vikings attacked, they burned the racks of fish, but a rainstorm blew in from the North Sea, dousing the fire. The remaining fish soaked in a puddle of rainwater and birch ash for months before some hungry Vikings discovered the cod, reconstituted it, and had a feast. Thus, Lutefisk was born. Of course, now it's not prepared that way, but it's close to it. Sharon, tell us the scoop. Well, lutefisk gores might be a bit of an overstatement, but it does seem that people who love lutefisk have a definite way they want it prepared. Some bake it, some boil it, some even eat it uncooked. Lutefisk is dried cod that has been pickled in lye and then reconstituted in fresh water for several days. During December in Wisconsin and Minnesota, you can find lutefisk in many grocery stores. It's even on the menu in some restaurants and at community church dinners. If you see it at the grocery store, it's generally a semi-opaque fillet in the fish section. The color reminds me somewhat of a white moonstone. We tried to find a community lutefisk dinner that we could attend but failed. Well, that's because of the COVID pandemic. Most church dinners were canceled in 2020 and 2021, but not to be thwarted, I made a few phone calls and talked Mary into meeting with us. So we headed to Port Wing, Wisconsin, and that's a modest town of about 200 on the shores of Lake Superior. When we met with Mary and Marge, Mary wanted to set the record straight right away. Um, I would like to start off by making it clear I am not the lutefisk maven of Port Wayne. Okay. <laughs> Is Marge I, the lutefisk maven? That's why I brought her along. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here because you saw my name on a website. <laughs> right. Well, it seemed like you were the one who was putting on or organizing the lutefisk dinners for the church. Oh, I was part of a committee. And I also was the one that knew that we weren't doing the dinner this winter. <laughs> right, so. right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we understand you have two different ways of preparing the lutefisk. Two camps so. here. Yes, okay. and we're interested in hearing about that. Well, the traditional way, and Marge can say more about that. I'll let Marge say more about the traditional way. <laughs> well, I just know that the way Bucky does it, he, puts, he makes bags out of cheesecloth, and then he puts a certain amount of fish in there and puts the whole bag into the boiling water so that it doesn't all fall apart so that when it's done he can pull the whole bag out and put it into a bowl. Who's Bucky? Bucky Jardine. 
He's, he's the Kenneth Jard Ken Jardine. He was the county supervisor for this area for twenty for a while, years. yeah. Uh huh. And he's now eighty eight, I think. But if we were doing the dinner, he would still be doing the ludifisk. A little bit, anyway. He's eighty nine. Mm hmm. And so is that how you do yours too? Then that well, way or no, I never made the the bags. I oh, just okay. put it in the boiling water. Mm -hmm. Or I put it, I've done it in the microwave too, mm -hmm. and that works fairly well. So it's not hard to cook. And the, these, there were three men in town. They would spend the week before the lutefisk dinner soaking the lutefisk that they get, wherever they got it. I don't know. I think they get Janet it from the store. Janet Johnson at the store yeah. got it from the store. But they would soak it and they would change the water like twice a day wow. <laughs> for yeah. a week. Because the tradition is that the cod would get dried and then lye put on it. And Somehow so then they had to soak, get the, um, soak it in water to get rid of the lye. And that's where the term lutefisk comes from. It comes from lye, the word, mm -hmm. word for lye. I just read that the other day as mm -hmm. I'm looking, up, looking this up. So it was a week-long process before the dinner to just get the fish ready. Mm -hmm. So was it... You was telling me on the phone that your dad used to walk around with piles of... He, my dad remembers. Now, my dad was born in 1913. So he remembers older, probably men in his family, coming home with an armload of dried fish, fish that would be, be soaked to become the lutefisk. Mm -hmm. like, cor like wood. Like <laughs> corn to wood, huh? Yeah. That was his memory. My mother did it in the oven. Mm -hmm. You know, she'd put it in a dish like that. Pyrex over there and put it in the oven with a little water underneath it and um, maybe a little salt on the top and put foil over it and put it in the oven for half hour. So yeah. it kind of poaches until it needs to be kind of flaky. You, you know it's done when it gets a little flaky. And to me that always made it hold together a little bit more and didn't become so jelly-ish. Mm -hmm. like <laughs> <gel>, huh? <laughs> so can get to be jelly-ish. Yeah. Yes. So, Marie, the first time you ate lutefisk, you're a good Minnesotan, right, by birth? Yep. Like, and I'm a transplant, so I didn't have lutefisk until later in my life. Tell me about the first time you ate lutefisk and what you thought of it. Well, it was when I was working in northern Minnesota for the Forest Service, or as we call it there, the forestry. <laughs> and my boss was Norwegian, and during the holidays, he would bring lutefisk into the office for the uninitiated, which I was. At that point in my life, I was probably in my late 20s. And he prepared it. It was jelly. It was the jelly kind of lutefisk. So it must have been uh, boiled kind, maybe? Probably, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. But it had melted butter over it. And I think that made it quite palatable. I mean, I thought it was okay back then. That's the first way I had it, too. And I was also in my late 20s. And uh, and it was jelly in butter. It was like fish jelly in butter. And it did not impress me as something I would go out of my way to eat again. But I felt like it was interesting being at Mary's place because she baked it. And that's a whole different way of preparation. And they put a cream sauce on top of it. And so it tastes like a whole different beast. Of course, it's like 20 years later. So maybe my, my taste buds have changed. Yeah, so you, you have the cream sauce camp of lutefisk eaters, the melted butter 
camp, the boilers versus the, the bakers. bakers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's mm-hmm. interesting how this one dish has its fans in both courts mm-hmm. and how they were like, no, you got to bake it or no, you have to boil it. <laughs> yeah, I was with some people who were having arguments about wild rice just the other day and you have the patty rice versus the wild grown uh-huh. and hand harvested versus machine harvested and people can lose friendships over <laughs> over wild rice arguments and I think probably the same thing is Lutus. true about Ludovic. Yeah, yes. when it comes to tradition and, and your family's tradition especially. Yeah, if people get entrenched in their their ways. So anyway, we talked to Mary and Marge a little bit more about their church's Ludovic dinner and so how many people normally show up to your Ludafisk dinners? I'd say tops 200. You know, That's a lot. 150 to 200. <laughs> you, you wouldn't think that many people like it. And it's well known. Ours was well known. There's kind of a circuit. There's a Ludafisk dinner circuit in this Wisconsin, Minnesota, maybe even over to Michigan area. And people go around to all the dinners. And, of course, it's been said that ours is the best. <laughs> of course. <laughs> They probably tell that to everybody. Yeah, they probably do. How far away would you say this draws people from? Well, well certainly from Duluth. For, yeah, Duluth for sure. I I know Upper Michigan. I've you know gotten yeah. been contacted by people in Upper Michigan, in this area. And so we're talking 50, 75 miles one mm-hmm. way. The other things that they serve with it are boiled potatoes, of course, cream sauce. So this is another distinction between the Swedes and the Norwegians. The Swedes do the cream sauce, which is like a bechamel sauce or something. It's, you know, white sauce or melted butter. And actually, for the sake of our, our group here, I think they they have they also have melted, melted butter, too, or is mm-hmm. it? But, and Marge has been, the last many years that I've been around, she has made the white sauce, the cream sauce. And I'm talking, you know, a big, <laughs> a big tub of it. <laughs> For the dinner, they serve something called rutmos, R-U-T-M-O-S, and it's a combination of rutabaggies and potatoes mashed, mashed. together. Mm-hmm. And then Roland Larson makes 12, 14, I don't know how many loaves of rye bread. Good stuff. There's also some herring involved, pickled herring. Pickled herring, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lefsa. Mm-hmm. You know about lefsa. Yeah. And um, <laughs> for several years here... The, People in the church made they made their own lefsa, which is a also labor intensive oh, yeah. project. And after a couple of years, they said, "Let's just buy it." <laughs> just so you know, lefsa is like a Norwegian version of a tortilla. It's made from potatoes, flour, butter, and milk. It's a traditional accompaniment to lutefisk. The fish is often rolled up in the lefsa in something jokingly referred to as a Norwegian taco. Now, back to the lutefisk. At the dinner, you know, they pick it up with a spoon. Mm -hmm. Either it's the nice flaky kind or it's the more jelly kind. And they say, do you you know, is this or do you want more? And, you know, people say more. So it's like a spoonful or more of fish. Yeah, and you're not talking like, teaspoonfuls. You're talking like a serving spoon. Yeah, it's like a piece of fish, like it would have the skin on the bottom usually because we don't take that off. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But then the the meat is you know so kind of like a um, six ounce serving, like a normal mm-hmm. serving yeah. at a restaurant would be. Uh-huh. And then you might want more than one piece. The so good. The so yummy. Eaters, yeah. <laughs> And then people come back for seconds. 
they have the meatballs too, don't oh, they? Yeah, they? So have that you can, with lutefisk, or you just can have meatballs, it's a different price. It was a Christmas evening, night dinner, since as long as I can remember. Then we would open presents afterwards, so of course we had to do all those sticky, sticky lutefisk di dishes first. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the same in your family? Well, I know it was always Christmas Eve. We'd go to my grandma's, and she would be the one to fix the lutefisk. But we didn't open our presents till the next morning. Why do people eat lutefisk? <laughs> because it's a, a tradition, people, I guess. <laughs> people, a lot of people just like it. Marge loves it. Yeah. I like it, you know, I have it once a year and, and it just kind of connects me back to my culture a little bit. No, even when it's flaky, I do like it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I like it. And my sister likes it very well, so usually we try to get together and have a little lutefisk once or twice at this time of the year. It's interesting to see how the Marge's family did their lutefisk and Mary's family did it a little bit differently. Sharon, do you have any ancestral holiday foods in your family? Yes, yes. Some of my favorite is fruitcake. And I know people make fun of fruitcakes, but that's because they haven't had my great-grandmother's recipe for fruitcake. So I start it just after Thanksgiving. And, you know, it's pretty simple. It's just like a bunch of dried fruit with some batter to stick it together. And you slow bake it. You wrap it in cheesecloth. So I soak mine in brandy because, of, hey, Wisconsin. <laughs> but <laughs> the real recipe calls for a sherry, like a, a dry sherry. And you just soak it then and let it sit for a month. And it's a way of, a way of preserving food too, much like lutefisk was. And a lot of the Native Americans around our part of the, the world wouldn't smoke their fish so they could have food over winter. And so ways of preserving food without a refrigerator. And so soaking things in alcohol is one of those ways to preserve it forever. <laughs> and that's, So they found like this 145-year-old fruitcake. No way. Yeah, yeah. I think I read that last year. I'm going to have to look that up again. Oh, that's really scary. And they, they were like, we shouldn't eat it, but they kind of did a little. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Some family in Michigan... It's like the grandma left a fruitcake in the attic for like a thousand years. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> How about you? What What are your holiday Like, what when you think of, like, oh, I just have a, have a taste of this, this holiday season? In my family, I would say it's pickled herring. My dad was of German descent, and he really liked pickled herring. And the only time we would eat it would be during the holidays. So I carry that tradition on in my family, much to my children's dismay, but you know, maybe one day it'll take. All right. It'll so take and they'll <laughs> they'll carry it on. <laughs> I agree. You never know what's gonna creep into their, their palates. So Marie, you're in luck if you like uh, pickled herring because some people around here make it themselves. In fact when we were at Port Wing we heard about some of their local pickled herring. We have people in town that do their own pickling, make make their pickled herring from herring that's probably caught down here. And at this point, I'm compelled to tell our listeners that the herring from the Great Lakes is very different from ocean herring. And pretty much any species of fish can be pickled, but the pickled herring one might buy in grocery stores, that is actually ocean herring from mm -hmm. the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, it's a different type of fish. <laughs> but mm -hmm. yeah, so the fish in Lake Superior looks so much like the ocean herring when the these Swedish people came over here and started plowing the waters and fishing. They would just pull up nets full of these 
now we call them ciscos, and they were like, oh, they're just lake herring instead of ocean herring. They're lake herring, and that's how that name got started around oh, here. Uh-huh. But it's actually a misnomer that confuses a lot of people. Yeah, the herring. They always brought. It. I always made my own pickled herring for years and years. We make pickled herring, but yeah, I know that the kind you buy is ocean herring. Mm-hmm. But you can make the Lake Superior herring taste pretty much like it if you get the right spices and. And so I know with pickled herring, you can get it in the cream sauce or the wine sauce. Do you have a preference? For well, you like I have. Anytime I made it, I just made it in the wine sauce. Mm-hmm. But if I wanted it in cream sauce, I just took some out and put it, put it in the cream sauce. <laughs> right. <and I> was, <laughs> the old thing. So, yeah, other cultures have preserved fish in different ways. I I spent some time studying puffins over in Iceland, and there they just have these huge racks out on the rocks with fish drying. And so they they like their fisker, which is dried fish that they they sell in the stores, kind of like you would get beef jerky here. You could buy dried fish. I also had a gefilte fish tasting party once. (laughs) So we could try gefilte fish because a lot of the Great Lakes fish that come in during this time of the year are sent to that Jewish specialty market to for these gefilte fish that are served during holiday gatherings also. Mm-hmm. You know, so they, yeah, they use Lake White Fish and Cisco for that. <laughs> so the reason there's so many fish coming in right now is because of the row, and the row is the valuable part of the, the Cisco fishery. And so the, a lot of the rows goes to, goes to Scandinavia where they kind of eat fish eggs like we you would eat jam. Mm. Spread it on crackers and bread. And now it's time for the fish delicious part of our podcast, where we discuss fish recipes, which, by the way, you can find on the Eat Wisconsin Fish website, which is eatwisconsinfish.org, along with photos. Plus, you can find it on the Fish Dish Podcast webpage. Now, one thing we need to mention about cooking lutefisk is that you need to cook it in glass or stainless steel. Otherwise, if it's like in an aluminum pan, it will turn it black. So how are, are you cooking the lutefisk now or are you? It's in the oven. Okay, so how are you doing what we're going to have today? I am, it's in the the Pyrex pan Mm -hmm. with a little water underneath it and foil at the top and it's in the oven for 35 minutes Mm -hmm. and I'm also boiling some potatoes and I'm going to make some cream sauce or Marge's. Marge's. I I didn't know we were going to have lutefisk today. (laughs) Part of the experience. That's right. That's right. Fun. They also serve cranberries in various ways. What I have today is the ocean spray jelly cranberries because it just Kind of, a little bit of cranberries helps perk it up. Perk it up. Back <laughs> color. Yeah. Brightens up the place. That's true. Because <laughs> lutefisk comes out very pallid, and mm-hmm. potatoes can be pallid, and so and cream sauce. And, and cream butter. sauce is <laughs> so white. white. So yeah, we need the pop of of the uh, cranberry jelly. So Marge, does this look done? Yeah, it does look done. My first bite. Yummy. <laughs> it's fishy. It's not as flaky as whitefish or some of the other, like some traditional fish in Wisconsin. And don't forget the potatoes and mm. the homemade rye bread mm-hmm. and the cranberry sauce. 
Now it's really a feast. <laughs> what do you say about it, Marie? I've heard it described as fish jello before, but this is flakier than fish jello. No, this is more jello. solid. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> very flaky. I think it's very good. But it's kind of crunchy, too. Like, I wasn't expecting when you cut through it, it sort of crunches. Um, I do not remember that happening when <laughs> I was eating lutefisk in my past. Mary, how would you describe it? It's all in your perspective. Yes, it is flaky. And it has some solid texture, which I like, compared to the fish jelly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a fish taste, and if you haven't had it before, how do people get used to it? And I think you just have to either grow up with it or be super motivated, because it's so different. My mother always bought white pepper oh. to put in the white sauce. Oh, so yeah. it would all be white. But the <laughs> other thing that I remembered the other day was that, um, not, and this is when my parents first moved up here in 1980 and we were here for Christmas, we would go out to Orville and Helen Swanson's house to get uh, the milk because mm -hmm. it, it was fresh milk oh, from the nice. cow, so mm -hmm. it had the cream at the top mm -hmm. and it made the white sauce so much more rich. Oh, Some people did not make on it. Oh, do they? Really? Oh, that's a fun twist. Confess, my favorite part is the uh, bread that you made. <laughs> I like the fish. But it's fine fish, so I, I would definitely eat this version of lutefisk again. You definitely would. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think when you go through the line, you can kind of say, you know, I'd like the flakier fish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want that piece right there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this episode of The Fish Dish. For more information and fish recipes, visit Eat Wisconsin Fish on the web at eatwisconsinfish.org, plus Twitter and Facebook. Thanks go to Mary Childs and Marge Ogren for inviting us for a little lunch. And thank you for listening. Bye.